Chapter Six of A Book of English Martyrs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. A Book of English Martyrs by E. M. Wilmot Buxton. Chapter Six The Excommunication, fifteen seventy to fifteen seventy seven. The Queen never was nor is nor shall be head of the church in england words of blessed cuthbert maine the day before his martyrdom on thursday may twenty fifth the feast of corpus christi in the year fifteen seventy london was in a strange ferment of excitement it was not on account of the feast itself for the days of joyous processions when the blessed sacrament was carried through the kneeling ranks of worshippers were over now and well-nigh forgotten by all but the elder folk yet the throng was thickest in st paul's churchyard from whence the procession used to start and a crowd of people were staring up at the gates of the bishop of london's palace close by the cathedral what is it what is it cried a young man who had come too late to get a place anywhere near the front of the mob to whom one who was pushing his way out of the throng replied in awestruck tones tis a bull of excommunication sent by the pope against the queen's majesty but whoever dared to put it up there exclaimed the youth that no one knows but it has been there since dawn and already they say the houses of all the catholics in or around london are being searched twas a bold man who fixed up that parchment said the young man thoughtfully ay and twill go hard for him if he is discovered said the other not that these catholics seem to fear the consequences of their obstinacy for i have already heard several of the crowd express their joy that this bull releases them from their allegiance and that a redress for their evils is now bound shortly to follow since the christian princes of europe will not fail to take up their cause against an excommunicate queen that is strange talk said the lad i myself come of a catholic family and hold the old faith and though i know many catholics i never heard of one who was less loyal to the queen than the protestants that they long for freedom in their religion goes without saying but they would not do aught to harm a hair of the queen's head then tis a desperate remedy they have hit upon yonder for methinks twill recoil hardest upon themselves replied the protestant with a somewhat mocking smile and forthwith went his way later on the lad heard that a lawyer in whose chambers a copy of the bull had been found had been cruelly racked till he confessed that it had been given him by his friend mr john felton then living in bermondsey abbey near southwark hastening thither the next morning he caught a glimpse of that gallant gentleman whom he knew as belonging to a wealthy and zealous catholic family of norfolk looking down from a window at the armed men preparing to break down the abbey gate while he tried at the same time to cheer 
and support his swooning wife he heard the clear voice bidding the men have patience since he knew they came for him and he would come down to them and saw him open to them and bid them welcome he heard a little later of his frank admission that he had posted up the bull and also that as he held the pope to be the vicar of jesus christ on earth since it came from him he thought it ought to be duly venerated he heard also that in spite of this declaration of his so-called guilt he had been cruelly racked three times nothing however daunted that brave and ardent spirit up to the hour of his martyrdom he was harassed and bullied by protestant ministers to whom he is said to have answered arrogantly that he believed the ancient and catholic faith for which he was about to die for a moment as was but natural his bright face paled as he saw on the scaffold erected in front of the gates of the bishop's palace the rope the cauldron the knife and the fire but his fear was but the dismay of a moment what is this art thou afraid of death he cried to himself and then pointing with a smile to the palace gates he said cheerfully the sovereign pontiff's letters were duly exhibited there and now i am content to die for the catholic faith ask forgiveness of her majesty bade the crowd nay i have done her no injury he replied but if i have injured any one i ask forgiveness of them and for the matter of that of the whole world and forthwith he took a valuable diamond ring from his finger and in the generosity of his heart sent it to the queen to show that he had borne no ill will towards her and so calling upon the name of jesus he suffered the awful death of a traitor it was in the same spirit of dauntless courage that the martyred priest blessed thomas woodhouse who had been taken in the act of saying mass after enduring twelve years of captivity actually bearded the treasurer cecil first in a letter of rebuke for his conduct as a heretic urging both him and the queen to repent and be reconciled to the holy see and then in a conversation so outspoken that even the grim lord treasurer was moved to a kind of sour humour and asked the daring little priest if he would be his chaplain yea certainly replied woodhouse and wilt thou say mass in my house yea that i will and shall i come to it no that you shall not was the quick reply unless ye will be reconciled to the catholic church this was turning the tables with a vengeance a week later we find him calmly surveying the council who had sent for him in the hope that he might be classed as a madman rather than denounced as a traitor they told him to kneel but he refused and stood upright oh poor fool said one the pope hath nothing to do in this realm to which he replied christ said unto peter 
pasque oves meos pasque anios meos and i say that if christ have in england either sheep or lambs the pope who is peter's successor hath to do in this realm this is thy dream said one of the council rather helplessly to which he replied no tis not my dream but the opinion of saint augustine and other doctors of the church this was no madness and he was condemned to die few of our martyrs met their death with such extraordinary courage and joy he gave money to the smith who riveted heavy irons on his limbs and promised a crown of gold to one who should bring him word that he was to be racked when in his weakness he fell and sorely bruised himself on the stone stairs of newgate he told one who would pity him that these were troubles sweet in the bearing to one in the crowd who gave him a blow on the face he said with his sunny smile would god i might suffer ten times as much that thou might go free for the blow thou hast given me i forgive thee and pray to god to forgive thee even as i would be forgiven even on the scaffold he never quailed for a moment but when the sheriff bade him ask for pardon of god the queen and his country blessed thomas replied nay i on the part of god demand of you and of the queen that ye ask pardon of god and of holy mother church because contrary to the truth ye have resisted christ the lord and the pope his vicar upon earth hang him hang him this man is worse than story cried the mob and so after the usual butchery that intrepid spirit gained his reward not all catholics however were so courageous and steadfast as these men and the lull in persecution that followed the death of blessed thomas woodhouse in fifteen seventy three speaks for itself the severity of the penal laws was certainly not relaxed the old ones indeed were put more strongly into force and a new one added after the death of felton made it high treason to obtain or publish any writing whatever from the pope or to absolve from heresy or reconcile any person to the catholic church a second clause made it penal to possess or give to any one an agnus dei beads or crosses that had been blessed by the pope a third ordered all those who had left the realm to return within six months under penalty of forfeiting their property this last clause was aimed at the crowds of catholics many of them people of wealth and position who were daily leaving england for an exile where they could practice their religion and freedom they had no wish to languish in prison or to be reduced to beggary because they refused to attend the protestant church there were in the land no catholic schools where their children could be taught and the presence of a priest in the house as chaplain or tutor was an offence therefore many during these years indignantly or sullenly conformed so far as to attend their parish church so many times a year or paid their fines 
and suffered imprisonment in silence many others escaped abroad while a large minority sad to say fell away from the faith altogether under the stress of constant persecution this was not altogether to be wondered at when we remember that the catholic priests were rapidly dying out there were no bishops to ordain new ones and though the old priests of mary's time were braving every danger to carry on their work they were fast diminishing in number and were not nearly enough to fan the flickering embers of the faith with no sacraments to console and inspire no backing no encouragement it was nothing less than a marvel that more of the old catholic families did not fall away if the church were still to exist in england new priests and a revival of enthusiastic devotion were absolutely necessary and already preparations for both these requirements were in the making in fifteen sixty eight dr allen formerly proctor of oxford university and canon of york who had left the country seven years before but had returned for three years of strenuous labor founded the seminary at Dowey in flanders for the training of priests who should perpetuate the faith in england little by little students were gathered in the first ordination took place in the year blessed thomas woodhouse was executed the next year fifteen seventy four the first three missionary priests left the college gates for england in the course of another six years it sent a hundred such laborers into the english vineyard well might this institution become a source of constant annoyance and harass to elizabeth and her advisers seeing that within ten years from its foundation it was training the flower of england's youth in zeal and devotion to the cause of the catholic faith and turning them into devout priests eager for martyrdom if by that path alone their master could best be served the effect on england was most striking one of those sent over writes to dr allen after a year's work the number of catholics increases so abundantly on all sides that he who almost alone holds the rudder of the state has privately admitted to one of his friends that for one staunch catholic at the beginning of the reign there were now he knew for certain ten later on it was reported that one of the younger priests lately sent on the mission had reconciled no fewer than eighty persons in one day such a revival was certain not to escape the vigilant eye of cecil and in fifteen seventy seven the first of the long line of seminary priests whose names are written as martyrs in the book of life was called upon to die for the faith blessed cuthbert maine was a west countryman brought up near barnstable by his uncle a catholic priest who to his shame had been bribed by the offer of a fat living to become a protestant minister when still only a lad of nineteen and as he says knowing neither what religion nor ministry meant he was himself ordained as a minister in order to keep the living in the family he then went to oxford took his degree and being evidently a young man of unusual intelligence and most attractive appearance was given the good post of chaplain at st john's college 
then recently built many were his friends among the protestants and catholics but of the former there was one edmund campion an ordained deacon of the english church and of the latter one gregory martin who themselves constantly together were forever drawing the young chaplain into religious discussions that left him troubled in mind both these young men were notable scholars the pride of their college until martin left to become tutor to the boys of the duke of norfolk his absence did not seem to settle the doubts of either of his protestant friends and in the year when martin fled abroad choosing exile rather than obey the command to attend the protestant service campion drawn by the chains of his friend's devoted love left oxford and after being present at story's trial in fifteen seventy one went straight to Dowey. both he and martin had sacrificed all at the call of god for cuthbert maine the struggle was a bitter one he longed to enter the church but the dread of poverty loss of office and loss of friends held him back a while from taking the decisive step the frequent letters from Dowey, by which campion and martin strove to convince their old comrade and to brace his will to act left him no peace however and while he still hesitated the hand of god suddenly made his way quite clear one of his friend's letters came into the hands of the bishop of london who in dismay at the obvious unsoundness of the chaplain and some of his acquaintances sent to have them all arrested warned of his danger by another oxford friend thomas ford himself a future martyr cuthbert fled into hiding and after a fairly long interval during which we know nothing of his movements crossed the sea and entered the seminary of Dowey in fifteen seventy three that he was naturally timid and slow to act seems clear from this part of the story and makes his end the more glorious since he was one of those characters which find it no easy task to face pain and death unmoved his great desire after he was ordained priest was to return and labor for that country in which he had once held office as a heretic and so having won a high reputation for sanctity and humility he set out in company with john payne another seminary priest and landing in england made his way alone to the west country where he hoped to convert many of his old acquaintances that he met with marked success is clear from the fact that a letter soon reached Dowey from another source declaring that a spirit of great exasperation had been excited among the heretics by numerous conversions and that all kinds of torture were threatened in particular against henry shaw one of the first missionaries from Dowey, cuthbert maine and john payne whenever they should be caught we should like to know more details but none are forthcoming till we find cuthbert living in the house of a staunch catholic mr francis tregian of golden near truro and passing as his steward he would of course act as chaplain to the household and use his opportunities of seeing those who sought him to instruct and receive them into the church 
and probably it was some rumor to this effect that brought upon golden the attention of the sheriff richard grenville stowe accompanied by the bishop of exeter the sheriff determined to search the house pretending that he was in pursuit of an escaped criminal there was no time for tregian to warn the priest though he did his best to prevent the unwelcome visitors from entering forcing their way into the house they came to the door of blessed cuthbert's room which happened to be locked the priest entering at that moment from the garden heard the blows upon the panels and opened it himself to the high sheriff who are you cried the latter rudely i am a man replied cuthbert in his gentle voice but grenville as he spoke had seized him by the doublet and thrusting his hand into his breast pulled out an agnus dei which he wore hung from his neck in a silver case he was at once arrested dragged off to a horrible underground prison at launston and presently brought to trial the charge brought against him was that he had absolved and reconciled certain persons that he had taught at launston the ecclesiastical power of a foreign bishop to wit the bishop of rome that he had publicly said mass and had brought into the kingdom a vain and superstitious thing commonly called an agnus dei as a matter of fact none of these things could be proved except the last and that since it had not been brought from rome was actually not illegal the jury at lunston before which he was tried was indeed most unwilling to convict him but was forced to do so by the sheriff now knighted as sir richard grenville as a reward for his zeal in arresting cuthbert Maine. when sentence was pronounced the priest with eyes and hands uplifted to heaven cried deo gratias and joyfully prepared to die but for five months longer he had to endure a living martyrdom in that filthy prison while the two judges who had tried him quarrelled over and discussed the justice of the verdict however unjustly he had been condemned he was not to escape the toils of cecil and the privy council there had been too many conversions of late to make that even probable and in november fifteen seventy seven the order came for his death the day before his martyrdom he was brought out to a conference with a number of gentlemen justices and ministers who seemed to have made it their pastime to worry and argue with catholics as they were about to die from early in the morning till it grew dark blessed cuthbert either held his own or stood modestly silent during the heat of this controversy last of all they offered him life and liberty if he would swear that the queen was head of the church in england he at once asked for a bible and as they gathered round with eager glances fixed upon their apparently yielding prey he quickly made the sign of the cross kissed the book and holding it up cried in a clear firm voice the queen never was nor is nor shall be 
head of the church of england on the eve of st andrew fifteen seventy seven they drew him on a hurdle to the market-place of launston and when the rope was actually around his neck began to question him as to whether mr Trajan and sir john arundel his brother-in-law knew of the things he was about to die for i know nothing about them except that they are good and pious men said he steadfastly and as to the things laid to my charge no one but myself has any knowledge thus bravely did the man who once had been afraid even to declare himself a catholic or to face the loss of worldly goods he had indeed outdistanced for a time his old friend and tutor edmund campion who writes a year later to express his joy that cuthbert had obtained the palm of martyrdom wretch that i am how has that novice outdone me may he be favourable to his old friend and tutor i shall now boast of these titles more than ever End of chapter six recording by john brandon